giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. Do you feel like you have little control over this process? Do you want to learn about all of your birthing options? Do you understand the reasons behind policies and protocols that stand in the way of your preferences? As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being an observant Jewish mom, I take a special interest in the unique implications of this lifestyle. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Birthway Podcast. In this episode, Rachel Safer will be sharing part one of her birth story. Rachel is the writer and creator behind Modest is the New Black on Instagram and rachelsarasafer.com. She is also podcast host to A Safer Space, which can be found on Patreon. Rachel is an ASL student with hopes to become an ASL interpreter while she juggles all the dreams with the responsibilities of being a full-time mom to her little guy, AY. Welcome to the Happy Birthway Podcast, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hi, it is such an honor. I've been following your pregnancy journey from the start of when I started my Instagram account in July of 2020, and I absolutely loved it. I feel like in the observant Jewish Orthodox community, people tend to share a little bit less about their pregnancies in general for a variety of reasons, but I loved following your journey and I cried I laughed I remember you had COVID throughout it you know for part of it and I just loved your updates so I'm so happy to have you here and when did you have your little guy October 13th 2020 AY right yeah AY so I'm just gonna have have you jump in and start from wherever you want to start from and we'll take it from there okay great I got pregnant at the end of January 2020. I was like, wow, that's a long pregnancy, 2019 to 2020. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think January is always a hard month. We're still adjusting. Yeah. (laughs) So I found out I was pregnant and that was really interesting because I'm adopted. So in my head, The only reality I knew of pregnancy was that people struggle getting pregnant. I'm the end result of two different realities of pregnancy. Someone who struggled and someone who was able to have kids but couldn't necessarily give me all the means I needed to have a good life. So the reality I grew up with was that people struggled. So I always thought that, okay, you know, I'd be trying for a very long time. And that was okay with me. I was like, okay, I I have time to ease into the idea. It's gonna be nice. Take my time with things. And my husband and I always said, okay, like two years into our marriage, we'll start talking about it. And a little before two years, my husband looked at me and was like, I think it's time that maybe we start this discussion now. And I was like, no, we said two years. 
we didn't hit that mark yet. It's not March 4th, two years later. It's a year and a few months later. So I pushed him off. I'm like, no, no, no. Rachel's not ready. So then we continued about our year. And again, hey, Rach, I think we should maybe start having a family. Like, we should try. You never know. Like, let's go to the doctor. Let's discuss it. See... I mean, obviously everyone knows what needs to be done, but like make sure that everything's good. I was like, okay, fine, we'll go. And it happened to be that when I went, the doctor was like, so what's your issue? Like, why are you here? You want to have kids? And I was like, I don't know, like maybe I can. He's like, why would you think you can't? Like, let me look, like, what do you mean? And he's like, your uterus is beautiful. I'm like, who says that? Like, what do you mean? It's beautiful. And I'm just looking at the sonogram for the first time. And he's like, yeah, like, you're ready. Not only are you ready, but you're about to ovulate. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, so I guess like, go home and do your homework. I was like, that's so odd. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what? The timing was just everything was happening so quickly. And I was like, okay, we can try, but you know, it probably won't happen. And we did, and we went to Florida for a few weeks. Um, and we, and Mo, my husband was like, okay, can you take a pregnancy test? Can you take a pregnancy test? I'm like, no, stop it. Leave me alone. It doesn't take like that fast to come up in a test. Like, let me just live my life right now. And I was like, it probably didn't even stick. Like, don't get your hopes up. Sometimes it takes a long time for people. It's the first time we tried. Don't get excited. Like I kept like, I didn't want myself to get excited because my reality is people struggle. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to struggle. It is what it is. Yeah. Sounds like you were just afraid to open yourself up to that possibility of you experiencing it differently. You experiencing the joy and you having that privilege where you grew up with people around you not having that privilege. And I think that joy is one of the hardest emotions to lean into and to think that it can happen so wonderfully for you. It so is. And I remember I was at work. I worked at an acupuncture um, place and my job as the receptionist was to book appointments and also change the linens after each appointment. And the last appointment of the day, I started getting so sick to my stomach and I walked into a room and every person has their own smell. That's like a known thing. And I walked into the room and I felt my face turning green and my insides turning. And I've changed this person's sheets multiple times and it never bothered me. Like everybody, everybody has their own smell, their perfume, whatever it is. And I just looked at my boss in the most unprofessional way. And I'm just like, honey, you need to change those sheets. She's like, excuse me? And I was like, listen, I cannot do it. I am so nauseous right now. She looked at me. She's like, oh my gosh, you really don't look well. You need to sit down. Let me get you some water. And I was like, okay. I drove a Jeep Wrangler at the time, which is a very bumpy ride. So I'm driving home ready to vomit. And I'm like, okay, this is like really unlike myself. It was eight minutes from my work to my home. And I thought that eight minutes was eight years long. Every minute, every light stop was terrible. And I get home. We were supposed to have like a bunch of guys 
for Shabbos. This was a Thursday. And my husband picked up like a bunch of food, like Franks and Blanks and schnitzel and all these things. And usually when you're sick, you're not thinking about eating chicken or hot dogs. And I just see this tray of Franks and Blanks and there's like 30 mini ones. I devoured the whole thing. And I'm like, that's so <laughs> atrocious to do. And I'm like, I felt nauseous, but why am I eating hot dogs by the dozens? Like gross. So I went to take a pregnancy test. We were watching a movie and I like snuck away and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to tell him what I'm doing. So you and all the guys were there or was no, just it was you and just him? me and my husband. And I took the test. I waited the five minutes and I saw that it was positive. And it was still before the two-year mark. It was before the anniversary hit. So I was like, no, this is still too early. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I was pregnant. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not true. So I took three more tests and they all came back positive. I'm like, okay, so that's not a false positive. And I went to tell my husband and he happened to also not be feeling great that night. So when I told him, he was like so excited, but his stomach was bothering him. So he's like on the couch, like flailing his arms with excitement. But he's like, I really want to get up and like jump with you, but I really don't feel well, but I'm so happy. And I'm just like, this is like so wild. And that's when it started. That's really funny to have those vivid <laughs> memories of finding out when you were pregnant. So many of my patients, they say, yeah, you know, we got married and we we aren't planning on having a baby for a few more months or we just went off of birth control but you know it just didn't seem like it would, it would happen so soon so we figured all right let's have a few practice runs no practice runs if the timing's there it's happening <laughs> as you've learned so wow okay and then you said you were having a party that evening so the next day we hosted a bunch of guys and it's funny one of my husband's friends always makes us like these delicious cocktails and he made one and was like rachel why aren't you having any and i was like oh like i also had ibs so i was like oh my ibs is acting up i really don't think i should have alcohol right now like that usually like really makes my stomach hurt and he was like okay and he came a few different times before i was gonna say i was pregnant and finally when i was pregnant i was like okay I don't not like your drinks. I love them, but I'm pregnant. That's why this whole time I have been saying no. And he's like, oh, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Usually that's like the dead giveaway, especially when you're, you know, newlyweds and people are just expecting you to get pregnant right away. And then like, then that's the awkward time. Even my kids, they always watch me and they want to have a little sibling and every time they see me drinking alcohol they're like oh we know you're not pregnant <laughs> that's so funny and sounds like the first trimester you didn't feel too great needless to say it was nausea all day long when i was little i was at a friend's house and i got sick and i threw up in the bed i was sleeping in and since then I've been traumatized that anytime I feel slightly nauseous, I need to sleep on the bathroom floor. I don't care where I am. If I'm in someone else's house, 
they'll walk into me sleeping on their bathroom floor. I get so nervous that I'm just gonna throw up in someone's bed. And mind you, this is trauma that happened when I was six years old that I should probably like get over. That's really funny. But for three months, I was just on the bathroom floor, didn't move, I couldn't go to work. I was so sick all the time. But the only thing I was able to eat was Maccabee's pizza bagels <laughs> and ginger ale and like those Pashka's sour candies with the like pink, green, and orange wrappers. <laughs> those were the only things I was able to eat. And we went to our first sonogram appointment and the few after that for the first three months and every single time my doctor kept asking, oh, you're eating balanced meals. You're, you're being healthy. You're taking your prenatals. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And my husband was there and goes, oh no, she's not. <laughs> Our baby somehow is being built on pizza bagels and candy and soda. I don't know what, like what kind of a baby are we going to have? Happens to be that kind of a diet makes a really delicious baby. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. My mother-in-law always says her kids are made up of Carvel and Carp. Uh, my kids are made up of that those J&J iced coffees, which are so nasty to me now, but <laughs> that and like mac and cheese. So yeah, yeah I mean, you just, you just got to do what you got to do to survive Whatever in that first trimester. Whatever stays down is what you'll totally. eat. Um, and most people do resort to like comfort food. Yeah. And that that's really funny with that judgment with the OBGYN, you know. Yeah, definitely eating, you know, all the balanced foods. <clears throat> <laughs> it's just like. Pregnancy is such a hard time when it, it comes is. to food. Any other experiences in your first trimester? Besides for the nausea, I, I had a lot of anxiety. More so because my first trimester was January to March, April, I would say. That makes sense. And that's when COVID started really rising. So my first three months was so bad with nausea. And then finally I was like, okay, I feel like myself second trimester, let's get this. I could go back to work, I'm excited. And the world shut down. Yeah. And I was like, what? I was ready to work. Like, what are you doing? I need to get out. Like, this isn't what I wanted. And my OB said, do not go out. Don't go anywhere. Don't let anyone in your house. Like your husband shouldn't go anywhere. And, and that was really hard for the two of us because my husband is a healthcare worker. He owns a home care agency and he needs to be out in the field getting patients their home health aids. And he has to build his business and that is essential work. So he would travel to Pennsylvania where he has, he has two companies, one in New York and one in Pennsylvania for the same thing. And he would go to Pennsylvania and at certain points, I literally was just like, I had so much anxiety that something would go wrong with this pregnancy if I got sick, that I was like, okay, like, I don't even wanna let him back in the house. Like, let me just, he could just stay in Pennsylvania at this point, like wait till the baby comes. Like I was so anxious for anyone to breathe on me. And funny enough, the person who was the most careful ended up getting COVID in her building elevator, nine months pregnant, and gave it to my husband. So <laughs> the traveling man didn't. Rachel, tell me, I would love to hear what it was like 
announcing your pregnancy to your family, given that your circumstance was so different than than what their reality was? It was very exciting. I happened to think that I made a mistake when I announced it because I announced it when I was three weeks pregnant. <laughs> People don't tell for three months. And uh, I was so excited to share it because I wanted them to experience the whole thing. They didn't, my parents didn't get to experience that. So. And was that their first grandchild? Yes. So it was very important to me to bring them along the journey as much as I can, especially my mom. I really wanted her to live vicariously through me as much as possible. That's such a beautiful outlook because I would think, I think for myself, just, you know, I I can't imagine being in your situation, but thinking like maybe I would feel guilt and fear. And it's so beautiful that you took it that way and you gifted her with that um, experience. Yeah. But also on the other hand, I am in contact with my biological mother. So I had two people in my ear, one person who was like, honey, that's normal. Don't worry. Like I, I, I went through that too. And my mom who was just like, is that normal? Is that no-? like, are you okay? Should you be sick for this long? And I was <laughs> like, I don't know. Is it normal? Like, should I be sick for this long? So I had like the fear and anxiety of never knowing pregnancy and myself who never knew a pregnancy. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I don't know if what I'm experiencing is normal. Is my baby okay? Like every second, my father, he didn't want to know. He didn't want to look at sonograms. He was so nervous about it all. He's just like, is that a healthy baby? That's all I need to know. Is your baby healthy? Just like, that's it. He didn't care for the long voice note updates in the family chat about what the sonogram meant. He was just like, just tell me if the baby's healthy in like three words and then I could go on with my day. Otherwise you make me nervous. It's, it's anxiety provoking. <laughs> like I can't listen to it. And I was like, okay, no problem. When I went for my 3D sonogram for the 20 weeks, I was so excited to see all the little limbs. So I printed pictures and I put it on my uh, father's fridge. <laughs> I came over the next time and he like moved it to the side of the fridge. So I asked my sister, I was like, Mare, why are they on the side of the fridge? He's like, dad just can't look at them. It makes him really nervous. He doesn't know what he's looking at. It's just really nerve wracking for him. <laughs> he just wants to know the baby's healthy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was really oh. funny. And then your mom was like the nervous Nelly. Your, she your... was the nervous Nelly. But when she first found out I was pregnant, oh my gosh, the screams that came out of her mouth. She could have woken the dead. Like she was so loud. And my father was sitting there like, oh my gosh. Like my father is like, the unassuming, unemotional, just very monotone and and serious guy. So he started like choking up, but he wouldn't show it. You could tell. So like we didn't make a big deal of it. We moved on. And my mom was just like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> like those 
videos you see on YouTube and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that much excitement from her. I knew she'd always be excited because she kept saying like, I just want to let you know I'm ready to be a grandmother. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I told her, it was just like, she was really ready. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really beautiful. And did it make you, did it change your connection to your birth mother? Because you said you were, you know, in touch with her. It did. I would say we got a lot closer and it, it's very nice to see how things came full circle. I, I knew when I met her, how hard it was for her to give me up for adoption and she did it for all the right reasons. She was not able to give me a good life at the time and she really trusted that my parents would. And when I reached out to her, she was just like, oh my gosh, I thought that maybe she wouldn't want to know from me. Like she closed that wound and moved on and that would have been fine with me. Um, but she was so ready to be part of my life. And I remember her asking me, do you have any kids yet? Are you married yet? And I was like, I'm married, I'm 20, two and I'm married and she's like oh my gosh like that's crazy because you're so young and then I told her I didn't have any kids so when I was able to tell her I was pregnant she was just like so excited she's like wow I'm gonna be a grandmother and I was like yeah and her mother's still alive so it's so special because my baby has a great grandmother and she's so excited and he has different features from them like I I never grew up with that having like the same features as anyone my sister had red hair too and we looked alike but we're not from the same families which is so wild when you look at us and and realize that reality you're like what like that's really crazy and I mean my son has dimples that my birth mother has and he has her nose and her lips and I guess like I obviously do too but it's like so much easier to piece it together looking at him and her than me and her I'm sure that that's a very um significant experience for people who are adopted you know having their child look like them when they themselves didn't grow up that way yeah. and I can imagine again this is all purely my imagination because I can't ever understand it but I can imagine that that's something um that may be healing i don't know just it is and it may be i would you know think it people could feel maybe not everyone but i would think the children who are adopted could feel maybe isolated that they don't look like anyone in their family um i don't know if that was the case for you or not but just having a child that looks like you i didn't feel so isolated but i always thought it was so weird my best friend is a carbon copy of her mom. And I look at them I'm like, that's so weird. Like, what? My husband won't admit it, but he is a copy and paste of his father. And my son is literally a copy and paste of the two of them. Oh my gosh, I know. I was laughing so much <laughs> from when he was born. It's the funniest thing. It's like he's, your husband he's in a little baby's face. Yeah, and I gave birth and I looked at him and I was just like, oh my God, that is 
so weird. Like, I don't know what I thought my baby would look like, but I didn't grow up being copy and paste of anybody in my life. So I was just like, okay, I look similar because of certain features. It worked out that way. But then I just saw I gave birth to my husband <laughs> in a baby. It was, it's still Isn't weird that nice? You do all the work and then they get all the credit. I know. I'm just like, what? That makes no sense. Yeah, but it's Why really sweet. Why does that sweet. happen? It's really sweet when the son looks like his father. So you said second trimester you were feeling better, but unfortunately COVID had other plans and yeah. locked you up. Yes. And um, I think that that's really hard, especially for those, not especially, but for those people who were pregnant beforehand and it's kind of nerve wracking. You're hearing all the things about hospitals not letting in support people. Oh my gosh. And not being anxiety. able to go to appointments or take anyone with you to appointments. Um, mm -hmm. For me, that's just so heartbreaking and so difficult. Did you go to your 20-week ultrasound by yourself? So that I did. All of my appointments in office were... Mo was not supposed to be there. Um, but Mo is a... He's a force of his own. And he would just walk into the waiting room and sit with me. <laughs> And the receptionist was like a reformed Jewish older lady. And she was like the bubby of the office. So she was just like, Mo, you can't be here. And he's like, whatever. Just nobody is really in the office. Nobody really knows I'm here. Just let me in. I want to see my kid. Like, I'm becoming a dad. And she was like, okay, <laughs> run, go into the back. Like, <laughs> like she would let him in. Um, but when I had COVID, she was like, okay, you can't come in. You really can't come in, Mo. Like, I'm not, I'm not bending any rules for you now. You really need to wait in the car. So he's like, fine. Oh and the 20 gosh. week was out of office. So when we went there, um, they were very strict and they said like, he cannot come. And I told Mo, they told me between 20 minutes and an hour, depending how well the baby behaves, to get all of the baby's body. And we took two and a half hours. It was my fault because you're not supposed to have coffee. And not only did I not brew my own coffee at home, but I got Starbucks and forgot to ask for decaf <laughs> right before the appointment. So they literally thought that my baby's heart had problems and said, you need to take him to a fetal cardiologist and and you know get an echo or whatever it is to make sure his heart's healthy and i'm like oh my gosh that's crazy because i was born with a hole in my heart and i was like maybe he has the same thing i don't know they're like please go get it checked out and i went to the cardiologist appointment by myself too and my husband happened to be traveling for work then so i suddenly felt like i was gonna die on the table because i had so much anxiety I, the lady looked at me, she's like, honey, are you feeling okay? Like she brought in like six fans and I'm like, there's not enough air. <laughs> like, you could put me outside in a wind tunnel and I would still feel like I'm dying. And she looked at me, she's like, your baby's fine. She's like, what are the chances you had a coffee before the appointment? I'm like, very high. She's like, where did you get it from? It was like Starbucks. And I, I, I really did forget to ask for decaf. She's like, oh honey, Starbucks and Dunkin' have like 10 times more the amount of caffeine than any cup you'd brew at home. She's like, so your baby was just getting a lot of caffeine at one time. I'm like, oh, oh my nice. gosh. <laughs> it's really funny because 
if you know, you know. Sometimes I'll have a patient come in and when we put them on the heart monitor, I look at the baby and I'm like, you had coffee recently, didn't you? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm, I know, because they're just like all over the place. And, and we're like, whoa, what's going on? Oh, for sure. So I always used to like brush it off and think like, okay, whatever. And then after that, my husband's like, you're not having coffee. Stop with the coffee. And I'm like, I need it to be awake. Like, so then I just started taking naps all the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're growing a human. So it, it's tiring. It really is. It's tiring. Oh, it is. Um, all right. So then came your third trimester, unless you have anything with your, any other things to add with your second trimester? Um, no, my second trimester, thank God, was, was pretty wonderful. And the third trimester was like the first trimester. I was sick. I was a massive. I couldn't. I couldn't move. You're peeing all the time. Oh, it was wonderful. The second trimester is that call that honeymoon trimester where like enjoy it. You're a decent size. Your belly's so cute. And then yeah, like you said, you can't pee. You can't breathe in your third trimester. And no, I had bad reflux. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, was so all the classic symptoms of third trimester. And the funny thing is, is I hated the people that used to tell me get all the sleep you can now before the baby comes. I was like, no, I'm waking up every 30 minutes to pee. And it's like a whole process mm-hmm. to get out of bed to pee. So no, I'm not getting any sleep. To pee, I was up all night from reflux. I had to sit up. No one wants to sleep sitting up. I literally sat straight up against a wall. And if I dozed off, great. If I didn't, then I was just the meanest person in the morning because if anyone tried to look at me or talk to me i was just like why are you in my space like specifically my husband because he would sleep right next to me and i would look at him sleeping so soundly and i'm just like i just want to like smack you like why are you sleeping so well right now i'm not sleeping well how are you sleeping well and he's like i'm not growing a human (laughs) but you're the reason i am so now i'm mad like oh they really get the brunt of all the emotions (laughs) Yeah, I know that resentment. I used to look at it. I try to look at it as like, good, let him sleep. And tomorrow when I need stuff done, he'll have the energy to do it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There was one night. My reflux was so bad. I felt burning from my belly button, like up to my nose. It was horrible. It was after Shabbos. Mind you, I probably shouldn't have had all the fried foods that I did. I knew that and then pizza, all of it would have brought up the reflux. I was like, but it's, it's good. So I ate it and 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, Mo, please go to CVS, get me reflux meds. He's like, just like, do you really need it now? Like he was already like comfortable on the couch or watching a movie and I dozed off. He wakes me up at 12 o'clock and I'm like, did you get me the reflux meds? He's like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't go get it for me? He's like, I don't know. You fell asleep. I felt like you didn't need it. I'm like, no, I need it. I need it even more now. And he's like, listen, can you just see if you could wait it out till the morning? I wanted to kill this man. I'm like, no, I can't. And he's like, okay, just wait a little longer, please. Like it's the middle of the night. Can you just wait a little longer? 
four in the morning. I took my pillow. I whacked him so hard. And I'm like, if you don't get up right now and go to the 24-hour CVS with me and get me those stupid meds, I'm going to choke you. And he was like, oh, my God. He was like, why are you so mad? Why am I being woken up like this? You're very hostile right now. And I'm like, I asked you from 10 p.m. to get me these meds. And it has only gotten worse. And I have sat here from 12 to 4 watching you sleep and nothing has made me hate you more than the fact that you're sleeping right now and I'm not. <laughs> he was like, like sluggishly putting on his stuff and I'm just like probably waking neighbors up screaming at him. <laughs> I'm in pain because you waited this long. Oh my gosh, pregnancy is wild. Your emotions, hormonal, literally. Like, hormonal, I love scary. it. But it yeah, get don't, scary. Mess, don't mess with a hormonal pregnant woman. When she oh needs gosh. something, don't mess. But... The cool thing is about reflux is that as soon as you have that baby, it all goes away. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, Pe- you know, everyone says, oh, get excited. Your baby's going to have hair. Bald. <laughs> there is like, I don't know, some scant little research connecting the two. Like that's the only old wives tale that they say maybe has a tiny bit of basis. But just because you have tons of reflux does not mean that you're no. going to have a hair, a hairy baby. But but the nice thing is, is it all goes away right after yeah, you have the nice. baby. And it's so hard for people to even imagine that when it's so mm-hmm. bad and it gets worse and worse toward the end. Okay, so besides for all those lovely third trimester symptoms um, that are so common, you also had quite the escapade with COVID. And then I was following you already, you poor thing. I was just crying for you. That was really hard. Everything that I was anxious about and cautious about, when I tell you I fought with my husband almost all the time about COVID, It was literally constant. My anxiety was so high and he needed to make money. I mean, we were having a baby. You can't just, if you're able to work during that time, you're going to work. And he was essential. So he was like, listen, honey, I love you. And if I could stay home and still have money coming in, I would stay home and still have money coming in. But that's not the reality of it. I can't work remotely all the time. And he would go travel and my anxiety was so high and I kept telling him, you want to know what? You're going to travel. You're going to come home. You're going to carry COVID. You're going to bring it home to me and I'm going to be sick in the hospital by myself and I'm going to give birth by myself. I had that story in my head that that's for sure going to be my reality. And little do you know, nine months in, I'm feeling fatigued. I'm feeling extra tired. I'm like, okay, nine months. Like we're hitting the end. Most people can't move at this time. That's not unheard of. And then I started coughing. And what was really scary for me was I went to visit friends who just gave birth to twins. And I was holding her twins. And later that night at like four in the morning, I woke up coughing like crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not nine months of pregnancy. Yes, people get extra mucusy sometimes, but that was not like, let me just clear my throat. And it was vicious. And I was like, okay. I'm going to go to the OB. Later that night, I woke up. I had the chills. I was freezing, but sweating. I'm like, okay, I'm feverish. I feel feverish. And I had every blanket in the apartment on me, but 
the only thing that warmed me up was literally my husband. And I was like, I don't want to go near you because I don't want you to get sick. I'm like, but I'm freezing right now, so move over because <laughs> like, if you don't give me your body heat right now, we're going to have problems. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So that was the only thing. I finally slept a few hours and I woke up for my OB appointment and he checked on the baby and he's like, your baby's fine. Your baby's beautiful. Don't worry. Um, he's like, just go take some Robitussin with maybe codeine in it. He's like, at this point in your pregnancy, it's safe. He's like, take a little bit. Maybe it will knock you out. It will let the baby sleep too. It will mellow the baby out with the kicking. And at that point, was it confirmed that you had COVID? No, it wasn't. So he thought it was just maybe a cough. And the nurse who was like getting me into the room told me afterwards when they found out I had COVID and I came back later for a different appointment when I was still in like the quarantine stage. Um, she's like, I knew you had it. And I told him you had it and he like brushed it off. She's like, but just the way you looked, like I knew you had it. She's like, and you said you think you had it. And he just brushed it off. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that this was during the time where in the summertime, the rates get gradually decreased and uh -huh. the experts were pretty ominous saying that we were going to have another wave, which we ended up. But I think this these were the months where things were kind of getting better and maybe and people just wanted them to be better. You know, people were still getting COVID, but it was kind of like, oh, hopefully this is not really COVID because things are going, you know. Yeah. And things he thought, are, you know, people just get sick. Yeah. So did you Some, go get a COVID test? So I didn't go get a COVID test. I ended up going home and I was waiting for um, my husband to have the availability to go to CVS and get me my Robitussin. And I'm laying on the couch and I get feverish again. So I'm like, okay. And they checked my temperature in the office and it was fine. And it was 101.2. Oh boy. So I called my OB and I'm like, listen, Rumor has it, when you're pregnant and have a fever, you're supposed to go straight to the ER. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to do? He's like, like you said, go straight to the ER. I'll meet you there. So I'm like, fine. Yeah. And just a little, you know, medical tidbit. When someone who's pregnant has a fever, their baby reacts a little differently because they're not in the outside environment where they can sweat and let off body heat. So the body the body's temperature could be a little bit more stressful on baby. Babies usually do okay when the mom has a fever, but of course we want to treat it more urgently than if it were someone who is generally healthy and is not pregnant. Yeah. And I, I showed up, I went into triage. At that point, my fever went up to 102.5. Oh gosh. And... I was really feeling pretty bad. My heart rate was really high. Um, and they said my blood pressure was a little low. So they're like, okay, let's get you in a bed. They put me in an isolated room in the ER just because I was pregnant and they weren't sure if it was COVID and they knew so many people with COVID were coming in. And what's funny was the nurses knew I was alone. My husband was walking in with me and at the door of the ER, they were like, excuse me, turn around. He tried to pull the same shtick. Literally. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, sorry, he can't come in. I'm like, he needs to be in right now. I'm pregnant. What if I'm giving birth? I'm like, my first baby, I don't know what the heck that's supposed to feel like. So I'm like, no, no, he must be here or I'm leaving. They're like, you're not leaving, but he is. 
My husband did not know what to do with himself because in his head, he hears my voice. I'm going to get sick and I'm going to be in the hospital by myself. And he's just like, ah, like I'm not there for her. And I was just like, I'm literally here by myself. There's no one but me to advocate for me. And that's one of the worst terrifying things about COVID. You know, the fact that people can't have support people with them. And when you're feeling so unwell, you don't want to talk to anyone. You're not in that mind space to actually advocate for yourself. Yeah. So that was really difficult. And first they came, they took my blood pressure. They're like, listen, um, if in the next few hours your heart rate doesn't go down, you're going to have to be admitted. And at that point, they weren't just testing you for COVID unless you were being admitted. So they tested me for the flu. They gave me an X-ray on my chest to see if I had pneumonia. All of that came back negative. And they're like, okay, listen, all of that's negative. We're going to give you Tylenol to reduce your fever. And, and how many monitor. weeks were you? Remind me, I don't think we mentioned how many weeks you were. I believe I was 36 weeks, 36. So almost full term. Yeah, almost full term. So like that was also, I was either 35 or 36, um, but I was very close to being full term. And at, I would say midnight to one in the morning, they, around then they'd said, okay, we're going to give you a COVID test because we're admitting you and we need to know if you're gonna to go to the regular labor and delivery wing and be with your OB so he can monitor you or if you're gonna be in a COVID unit. And I was like, okay, great. And 3.30 in the morning, I finally fell asleep and this nurse in a hazmat suit pretty much taps me and goes, honey, you're positive. Like in the most cold way and this woman, before I tested positive, was joking with me, was like all up in my space. And I said to her, I was like, I don't know if it's the hazmat suit, but suddenly like the warmth you had before, like, I can't feel it. Ooh, you said I was that. Just like, yeah, I was like, I don't like, I don't have the cooties. I'm pregnant alone and I have COVID. So your bedside manner should still be felt by me. Can I just stop and say how much I admire you being able to speak up for yourself that way very few people can do that especially when you're in such a vulnerable place and healthcare workers in the hospital they are the ones that hold the power and it can be so scary especially when you're on your own and sick so wow wow that is that's incredible how you were able to even find those words where you were able to say, hey, you're not so friendly anymore. Um, and also to add to that, unfortunately, this entire pandemic has brought about a certain, I think, judgment, maybe prejudice in um, not all, but you know, I've seen in many healthcare workers where when someone comes in positive for COVID, they just assume that this person was irresponsible. And that's why they got COVID. And that's so not the case for, you know, it, for so many people, but, um, you know, unfortunately it's just part of the whole pandemic burnout of healthcare workers and they have seen people who were irresponsible and then coming in. So, um, makes me wonder if that was part of why she had that attitude. It could be. And funny enough about that attitude, I had wonderful people like you 
messaging me, oh my gosh, I hope you're okay, do you need anything, like calming me down because you obviously know a lot about pregnancy and delivery. And I had a few people message me who are obviously very anxious about COVID, have people in their family who are immunocompromised. Um, I had someone message me so viciously saying that I deserved it because who am I to go out and, and go on walks and, and live my life the way I was living my life and, and then complain that I have COVID. I was like, never ever was I complaining. And you were responsible. I mean, just following you, you, you were responsible. You made decisions that were very calculated. You, I mean, this was not at the height of the lockdown. So people did want to go to a restaurant to, you know, do it in a responsible way. But, um, there were just so many months that you can shut yourself down completely. So, you know, you weren't gallivanting to these huge gatherings without masks. That You weren't doing any of that. Exactly. I went to one engagement party that was pretty much family I had to attend. And I wore my mask, but masks also give major anxiety, especially when you're pregnant, you already can't breathe in your ninth month. So I sat in the complete back where nobody was around me besides for one person who I was seeing anyways. So I took my mask off just so I could like breathe and get over the anxiety I was feeling. And my husband came up to me and was like, let's take a picture. And I posted it because I looked cute. And she was like, you're going to events maskless and was like attacking me while I'm literally in the hospital by myself. And I was like, I there's nothing I could say to you that will make you think that what I'm doing is right. But at the end of the day, the only person who's allowed to judge me is God. I'm like, you have no business judging me. I'm like, so please stay in your lane. I'm like, if you don't like what I'm posting, if this is triggering you, unfollow me. I'm not forcing you to be here. I'm like, but don't come in my DM and attack me. Yeah. And that's the challenge of being an influencer and having your life be more public. You're going to oh, get that. Sure. It's inevitable. You're going to get that judgment. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. So then I was put in a room um, in the COVID unit and at all times I had to wear my mask. So there were times where they would need to monitor me and there was a window to see if I was wearing my mask or not. And I fell asleep and my mask went like a little bit under my nose because I was sleeping and they were banging on the door and I finally woke up. Like I fell into a pretty deep sleep. I was exhausted and they're like, put your mask on. We need to check your, your pulse. And I'm like, I'm alive. Leave me alone. <laughs> Just stop. And they put me on um, medicine to try to help with the COVID, help me get over it quickly. I don't know exactly what it was, but it started giving me contractions. And I was in excruciating pain and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know if I was going to go into labor or not. Were you being monitored on the fetal monitor at that time? I was being monitored, but I wasn't in a labor delivery wing. They were remotely monitoring you from somewhere else. Yeah, and I was buzzing the nurses and they didn't care to come check on me. And I literally like, they would call into the room. And I remember so vividly 
screaming into that stupid speaker on the top of my lungs. I am in my ninth month of pregnancy and you're not checking on me. I could be in labor. So where are all of you? And the lady comes in finally after 30 minutes after that screaming session and she goes, oh, um, I don't really know what to do for you. So I'll page your OB. And my OB was doing a C-section and came an hour and a half later and was like, how are you doing? And walked in on me in the bathroom floor, screaming on the top of my lungs in pain. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I was so scared. I was video chatting my husband, crying hysterically on the phone. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be giving birth today, but like cross my legs and squeeze as tight as I can because I can't do this if you're not here. And he was just like bugging out. He was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not someone who really cries or screams. I need you often. I, I will usually really struggle first for a long time before I could admit that I need someone's help. It was probably just like a learned behavior with everything that you, you've had in your life. Yeah. So my husband seeing me immediately resort to that was just like, oh my gosh, she's really struggling right now. This is not okay. And he can't be there to advocate for me either. So he's trying to call my OB being like, why isn't anyone taking care of her? So my OB finally came, was like, okay, let me check you. He's like, you're one centimeter. Um, he's like, but you are having contractions and you're not, he, he literally goes to me, your baby's not fully cooked, but it's not dangerous if you gave birth now. He's like, your baby would be fine. Except it's pretty inconvenient because you have COVID and you'll have no one there with you and you'll be separated maybe from your baby. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, ooh, not fine. Um, so he gave me two steroid shots for the baby's lungs just to make sure that if he was born early, he would be fully okay. Yep. And, and just to bring that tidbit in under 36 weeks, um, there is a shot called beta methasone. Yeah, and that's what it was. it's a steroid that's given usually in the tush. Um, it's a really heavy, uncomfortable shot and it's given, uh, two doses, 24 hours apart and preferably we call somebody beta-methasone complete when it's 24 hours after the second shot because that's the minimum amount of time that it takes for it to be fully effective. Now, babies decide to come on their own for whatever reason. That's not in our control, but um, that is something that accelerates the lung development of the baby because that is the biggest challenge that babies have after they're born, when they're born, preterm, the the breathing challenges, right? So we really want to maximize their lung development. Betamethasone's got some side effects that aren't great either. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, we always weigh the risk versus benefits. So that is a really amazing, life-saving, life-improving drug for a baby that's born before 36 weeks. Yeah. So I had that happened to be, it was not given in the touch. It was given in the arm. Ooh, ouch. I wanted to kill that nurse yeah the tush is the um, largest muscle so because it's considered pretty heavy shot you know the the um the liquid in it is like thick and heavy so that's why usually it's given in the tush i wonder if your nurse was not an obstetric nurse and possibly just like on the covid unit she wasn't yeah she was so literally maybe just on the COVID she didn't unit. know because of that mm -hmm. and my arms they were in so much pain and 
after that though I started feeling better and I kept saying like can I leave can I leave can I leave I need to go I'm ready packing up my stuff <laughs> literally packed up my whole room <laughs> they're like you're not leaving <laughs> it's like I'm ready like I'm gonna pull the IV out of my arm get me out of here so they stopped and your contractions they stopped my contractions thankfully they gave you fluids and is that what they did they gave me a lot of fluids yeah. they gave me like three bags of fluids and I felt so much better I couldn't have anybody obviously come visit that was the reality of it so I had my sister and my father bringing food to like the security guard and two hours later I got it um and I was I was ready to leave but my they needed 24 hours to make sure that my heart rate was going to stay where it was my fever was going to stay completely down and that my blood pressure was healthy too and that your baby wasn't deciding to come out at this time yeah so funny enough every single time they checked on him and monitored him they're like your baby's fine your baby's fine anytime i felt disgusting during my pregnancy your baby's fine i'm like good for him like he's enjoying it in this little nice cozy bubble over there yeah i'm like why do i feel so disgusting all the time and he's like no problem mom like you got this (laughs) so finally i left it was right before shabbos um and I got home an hour before and I was just like, how am I gonna cook? And all of our neighbors thankfully were so helpful. Left so much food at our door um, that I even had so much food postpartum because it was so close together. Nice. <laughs> I just froze most of it and it was so delicious. I'm glad you had that support system. It's yeah. everything. I then was ready. And then Once did I Mo hit... even get sick? Yes, yeah, so he got sick a week later, um, but he was really in denial for a while. He like kept having like the sniffles and I was like, you have COVID. He's like, no, I don't. (laughs) And then he coughed and he's like, I need to still work. And I'm like, oh, well, you're going to sit here with me and we're going to watch TV all day. Exactly what I wanted this whole time. So we got in a lot of quality time before we became parents. Um... I still went to my OB appointments while I was in quarantine. Obviously in your ninth month, you really need to go to them religiously. And I had people in my building who were very strict with COVID who would obnoxiously message me, why are you leaving? You're supposed to be quarantined. And I'm just like, I'm nine months pregnant. I need to check on me and my baby. Stay in your lane, get out of my womb, goodbye. Like, (laughs) annoying. Um, But finally, we hit my due date. It was Sukkis. And oh my gosh, I was ready. I was waddling around. I was so ready to give birth. Do you know why the end is so hard? No. Because otherwise no one would want to go into labor. That's true. <laughs> that I feel that. You need that. Yeah. To push you. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing part one of your birth story. I can't wait to air part two next week. For anyone who wants to hear more and see more of Rachel, you can find her on Instagram at Modest is the New Black and on her blog, RachelSarahSafer.com. And I will put those links in the episode show notes. Until next time, thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. 
Head over to Yoweted Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience. 